0: Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by Cashfly at c a c h e f l y dot com. This week in photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com dot com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This week on Twip, getting ripped off in New York City. How Not to Get a Photography Sponsorship, and an interview with Brooks instructor Ralph A. Clevenger. All that and so much more on episode number 96 of This Week in Photography. And we are back with another exciting episode of this week in photography uh finally after a short hiatus we've got the crew back to uh chat with you guys about all things photography and some things not so much photography but uh it's good to be back in the stream on the show today we have none other than mr aaron mailer hey aaron hey there how are you doing really good good to have you back good. and we also have coming from the right coast on the other side of the continent is mr steve simon hey steve i've
1: missed you guys
0: <laughs> we've missed you too steve you're gonna make me cry here and you know i know i wasn't supposed to say keep it, this
1: keep it together fred keep it together. i know i wasn't supposed to say this
0: but uh you were saying in a chat earlier that you are wearing your uh cowboy sleeping pants right now because it's very late in new york is that true sleeping <laughs> pants <laughs>
1: It is very late in New York, and is this actually being recorded, or is this oh, yeah. this next show? show? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I was I was kind of kidding quotation marks about the cowboy PJs. I haven't worn them in months. PJs. Okay, that was the word I was searching for. PJs. Yeah,
0: I don't. Uh, I don't think I own any PJs. Anyway, on with the show because That's that is definitely gone. not photography related, and we will get we'll definitely get some angry tweets for that talking about photography. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to our sponsor. We're brought to you by Audible.com. They're the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. And if you'd like a free audiobook of your choice from their gigantic catalog, head over to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. And with that, let's jump into the news. A couple of interesting things in the news today. Uh, first off, the New York City Attorney General... Has gone um, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the word that I, that I want to say, you know, I not don't know the if word I we say used
2: it. before the show. It's yes.
0: it's not the word we used before the show, but I am self censoring, you know, in anticipation of the FCC coming down on the internet. But uh, <laughs> the New York City Attorney General uh, is upset with New York City. <laughs> Electronic retailers, if you've ever been to new york New York City and you've walked i don't know say Times Square or something you've seen these stores that have all these glossy, beautiful and uh pricey electronic gear sitting in their little display. well, as it turns out, in a lot of cases, that display is sort of like the bait to get you in for the slaughter steve you you're a New York City guy, you know about this stuff can you can you talk about it a little bit?
1: Absolutely. I mean, look, we know that there are some, you know, very reputable, great dealers in New York City, the big camera stores, of course, the B&H, the Adoramas, those, those kinds of places, J&R, Calumet, PhotoCare, all those places. But there are lots and lots of sort of unnamed or, well, they have names, but these, these camera stores that have, as you mentioned, Fred, just everything in the window. You know, you might see a D3X and an Apple laptop and this and that. And apparently, and I guess a lot of people have known this, but unsuspecting tourists don't, um, that once you get in the store there and you sort of ask for something, uh, they use all kinds of kind of underhanded and immoral tactics to kind of bump up the prices and and take advantage of you and they also do this on the internet there's a bunch of bogus websites and frankly um, it's taken a long time for the new york attorney general to come down on these these guys um, they find them a total of six hundred fifty five thousand dollars which you know in many ways seems like a drop in the bucket because a lot of these these retailers have been been there for years, and uh, is that, it's, is it's, that
0: cumulatively six hundred and fifty-five k of o- over all of them, or do they target one specific one and try to knock them out of business?
1: No, apparently two of them are no longer in business, and seven of them have been t- fined in total cumulatively almost seven hundred thousand bucks. So they're just increased um,
0: their prices by like ten bucks, and, and they're going <laughs> to have, have to do
1: more. Bait and switching, you know. I mean, you know, the way it works is you'll order from them and you'll get your really great price, and then you'll find out that they'll call you back saying, "Oh, it's it's out of stock," and they'll try and replace it. And then if you say no, I mean, they make it. It becomes a huge, huge hassle, and especially when you're ordering something from afar. I mean, you're in a pretty vulnerable position. You can't, you know, you're not really sure what to do. So, I mean, really, uh, you know, if the prices seem too good to be true same old story chances are that they're they're not i that that they are too good to be true now, i remember steve, steve I as, the- a,
0: as a as a photographer as somebody who needs to put food on the table with your camera where do you get your gear from
1: well i mean you know i i i've gone to all the different uh you know stores when i'm here in new york i mean i i've gone to B and adorama and calumet and you know it really depends um it, it depends uh and, and, you know, I've, I've got a lot of stuff, and, and I don't need to go shopping all the time. I, I dangerously live between B&H and the Apple Store, which makes it <laughs> really difficult. Oh, gosh. You're kind of stuck
0: in a little <laughs> geostationary orbit between the gravity but of the two. But was, I was
1: going <laughs> to tell you guys, like, when I was a kid and living in Montreal, I came to New York to, to buy equipment because, famously, in the back of the camera magazines, you would always see these ads, and the prices were amazing. And... So I armed with my popular photography at the time, and I think also indicted in this little sting by the New York attorney's office is the fact that a lot of camera um, magazines you know, would use these, would take the ads of some of these places, and not everybody, but some. But anyway, so I would come in with this, and I'd go to the store, and I'd try and, you know, I'd have the prices, and that when I'd go in the store, they'd say, well, those are mail order prices when you're in the store, it's it's different and it's more expensive and so I mean you know even then my I, that was my first sort of rude awakening to to what goes on.
0: Now would you would you ever consider and Aaron you too would you guys ever consider buying used gear from someplace like eBay or Craigslist?
1: No, I've I've bought stuff on Craigslist and sell sell stuff on both Craigslist and um, eBay and I've. I've really never had bad experiences. I've been, I guess, a little bit smart, a little bit lucky. So, uh, yeah. no, it's it's not a problem. How about uh, yourself?
0: Well, I, you know, I I am in the midst of this this correspondence with this barrister from Nigeria who has promised me oh. several million dollars, <laughs> and all I have to do is send him my camera gear.
1: So, you know, so I'm, sure I'm getting everything so packed, very... up, packed up now to get over to him. I'm sure there are some very legitimate uh, business people in Nigeria but it's going to be hard for them to recover. Uh
0: uh-huh. always politically correct but you know I don't know a person that has not been hit by the one of those schemes coming out of somewhere other than here you know asking you for personal banking information and all that good stuff. So anyway, for those who don't know, I was joking about uh, doing business with uh, the the barrister because I have an email sitting in front of me right now, <laughs> ironically from someone who claims to be bar- a, a barrister, which is a lawyer, right? But uh, yeah, so the the email is from someone claiming to be a barrister and asking me for personal banking information, etc. So so anyway, let's let's pick it up with you. So have you purchased anything online, like from? like Craigslist or eBay, like gear for photography? Not,
2: well, (laughs) I I did have a little experiment on Craigslist once, which turned out to be a a not unusual scam. I mean, it wasn't one that elevated to a level that I lost any money or anything. I'd caught onto it very, very quickly. But uh, it was a situation sounding like a uh, a 5D for a, a good price from somebody that needed to sell it. It seemed reasonable at first, and then once you start talking to them, um, suddenly they're outside the country and they need to get a third party to,
1: you oh, know, no. to handle
2: the funds for you. And I mean, it just, the first reply was enough to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then I started seeing that same person repeating that and, you know, locations all over the place. So
1: You know what I did do, guys? I My first camera was a Yashica T-Electro X. And just on a lark, I went on eBay out of sort of reminiscence and looked it up and boom, there was like 12 of them. So I, I bought one, and I keep it on my desk just as a reminder of my uh, first entree into photography.
0: Wow. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, there's some good in everything. In <laughs> everything. So let's let's talk a little bit about Nikon. Speaking of good and everything, because I like my Nikon camera. Um, I like my Canon camera, too, for you Canon folks out there. I do own a Canon camera. Uh, but there's an, a company out there that is developing firmware for nikon cameras is a third party company now steve i know your nikon camera is near and dear to your heart you can't really ask aaron about this because he is in a torrid relationship with his 5d
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, sounds... <laughs> okay.
0: the one i don't own yet yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh, but steve i know you're you're the Nik- one of the nikon guys so you you know about this story what do you think
1: um, yeah, I mean, it, it It sounds kind of interesting because obviously, um, you know, Nikon firmware and their hardware are obviously inexorably connected, but the forming of this company must have its advantages in terms of, uh, you know, how things are, are um, brought to market. And I'm assuming they're doing it for efficiency, uh, economic, uh, as well as kind of in- innovation reasons in establishing this kind of separate Company, um, along with uh, Fujitsu. So, yeah, it's it's. I, I don't really fully understand uh, the the reasons why they're doing this, but I'm I'm hopeful, and I expect it to be um, something that's going to bring new innovation to the cameras we already own, and and maybe more. Uh, quicker sort of for more upgrades and, and more of them.
0: Yeah, that that would be great. I mean, I would love to see it. It's, I'm, I'm reading the notes here. You know, this is a company that's a joint venture between Fujitsu Broad Corporation Consulting Incorporated and Nikon. So it's not like it's some, some consortium of hackers that have hacked into these camera bodies and are exposing things that the developers didn't want you to see. This is sanctioned stuff that is extending... The capabilities of our SLR, so I'm all for it. What do you think, oh, yeah. Aaron?
2: I think they're. I mean, they're de- speeding up the development cycle. It's part of what they're doing, which is uh, fast as Nikon's been releasing cameras lately, um, <laughs> they're definitely, if they speed it up, I don't know how many models we may see in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, they're going pretty fast, but I still haven't seen that, uh, you know, a, a Nikon camera that competes with that 5D high-definition video. So yeah,
1: There's yeah, a lot true. of rumors out there. I've been uh, following on the Nikon rumor site. There's a lot of talk of uh, a new uh, replacement for the D300 the 700 replacement. I mean there's been talk, you know, since they came out that the, these things would be replaced, but uh, I expect we're going to see something.
0: Soon. Yeah, but that's like that's like saying, "Hey, there's a rumor that there's going to be a new sure. iPhone coming out of Apple <laughs> you know? in the next seven years." Of course. If they yeah, plan you know. to be, if they plan to continue to be profitable, they better be putting out new stuff. But I just yeah. I want to know what it is and I want to know when it is so I can plan. But yeah. I know that won't happen. Yeah, Never. We'll be <laughs> so, with that, uh, another quick nod to our sponsor, Audible. dot com. Uh, they are again the nation's, or the I don't know if they're the the nation, the world, or at least the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Um, and I believe, Aaron, do you have a pick? Because I also have a pick that I want to talk about. Let, let's start with your pick. That one's something pretty unique. <laughs> <laughs> my pick, my pick, you know, is a. Uh, it's, it's a book that's not necessarily photography related, but it's an interesting book. Uh, I've actually read the Dead Tree version of this book, and I purchased the Audible version of this book today. In fact, I'm looking at it. It's called The Game, T-H-E-G-A-M-E. <laughs> Subtitle is Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. Not that I want to be a pickup artist, you know because I'm all set there <laughs> but but it's an interesting read. Neil Strauss is the author, and what he did was he infiltrated this underground society of guys who has who have made it their mission to go out and seduce women, you know? And so he not necessarily wanting to do that. He sort of went undercover. I'm holding up quote fingers, but he went undercover in Los Angeles with these guys, um, who bought, who had rented this mansion on sunset strip. And, you know, were doing the whole club thing, all that stuff. And he just exposed the whole thing. And, you know, talking about their exploits with Courtney love, or I think that's her name. Um, and all this stuff. It's a really good, entertaining, read you know regardless of what your your motives are <laughs> so <laughs> i would definitely suggest check it out you know it's great entertainment it's not you know there's it's not crazy it's not a book about how to pick up women or anything crazy like that it's it's a book about this guy that infiltrated the society of guys that were trying to do that and his observations of them and humanity overall so i would definitely check it's that out basically
1: a book about Humanity.
0: It is. It's a book <laughs> about humanity. Uh, human from a, condition from a male perspective. I'll throw <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw that in there. Very much so. <laughs> so to to contrast that, my uh, my CD underbelly of this week in photography, Aaron is going to take the high road with his pick of the week. <laughs>
2: um, I will just mention a book that I just started this week. Uh, Audio book. It's another Ken Follett novel. Been a fan of his for quite a while. Um, And I don't know if I've recommended him in the past, but I will mention along the way, if anyone wants to listen to one of the best audible books ever, uh, definitely listen to The Pillars of the Earth uh, and followed by... um, I believe a uh, world without end is his most recent one but um the book i'm listening to right now is called a dangerous fortune uh it's the unabridged edition it's about uh oh i don't know right around maybe 16 hours or a little over and uh it i'm just getting into it so i can't say a whole lot about it other than um you know set in 1866 uh it ends up involving you know many camp families and characters tied together that span um you know apparently three decades um and a lot of conspiracy, so uh, I will. I'll tell you more next week. Actually, as you get a little deeper into it, where it's headed. Excellent. But uh, so far, I'm liking the narration, and I'm liking the sound of the story. So, very cool. And Ken Follett's never uh, never failed for me as far as uh, books.
0: Well, folks, if you want to get your own Audible book, whether it's Aaron's pick or my infinitely more interesting and entertaining book, The Game, <laughs> head over to head <laughs> over to audiblepodcast dot com slash twip. grab yours um and one more thing in the news that i wanted to chat about and you know we get we get smacked around all the time about too much iphone blah 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 stuff but you know hey i just got my iphone 3gs a couple of days ago and i'm very happy with it i'm still exploring the depths of its features um in particular i'm uh, of course Smitten by the video feature in there and the, the better camera and the touch to focus and all that stuff. I haven't had a chance because of this work thing. I haven't had a chance to go out and actually play with it and shoot real stuff and upload it. But I understand Aaron, who got his on like day one or day two, has. Day one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, do, what do you think about that camera? in that in the, in the it, is, it
2: is a vast improvement over the previous model. No question about it. Um, its low-light capabilities are still roughly as crummy as they ever were, but um, the you know it's gone up a megapixel or two in resolution. I think it's three, three and a half megapixels now. Um, but the, the killer thing on it is definitely the focusing capability. It's touch to focus, and it's not just focus, but also exposure. So uh, you know when you frame your shot, the areas that you touch in the shot with your finger, it puts a little box around them, and that becomes the focal point um, as well as uh, the basis for the exposure and the white balance, actually, of the image. So uh, it's vastly improved. And in that regard, too, the close focus ability is fantastic. Um, so I've definitely shot all kinds of items uh, extremely close. And I will mention it has less to do with photography, per se, but I can conversely guarantee you that one of the benefits of that close focus is going to be barcode reading.
0: Oh, and awesome, awesome. Uh, you so when you say close focus, is that the same as macro, or is it? You know, yeah, essentially. Not, I, I'm, not I, quite as I, close I, as macro. Close, similar. I, within that range, I guess. You know, like, what I, are we know, talking about? Like, a couple of yeah. inches, a foot, or what?
2: You know, let me try it here. Actually, when we're talking, I'm sure the specifications are are online that probably tell you exactly what it is. But uh, right, I am focusing on my keyboard, and I can't be more than. Two inches away, I'm getting good sharp focus.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: So, uh, you know, you couldn't get anywhere near that close with the 3G and the former model before that. So
0: that's awesome. Well, cool, cool. Well, that that is uh, that's definitely reason. It makes me happy that I I spent that money to buy the camera. And I'll say, hey, Aaron, how long how long did you wait in line to get your camera?
2: Uh, to get my iPhone. Yeah. Or Um, your iPhone. The UPS man brought it to the door on release day.
0: Damn. Because I, excuse me, I waited in line and I was like, you know, one person back. So I thought I was gonna beat you. And (laughs) of course, Steve Simon, you're uh, you're you haven't jumped on the iPhone bandwagon yet. Oh,
1: I mean, I I definitely want one, but I have the original. And you're right. I mean, the closest focus seems to be like you know almost a foot away. Yeah, Yeah. mine was like a (laughs) mile,
2: I
0: think at least.
1: (laughs) You know,
2: this this is gonna sound kind of silly, but I tell you one of the other features, aside from a you know better camera and tremendous speed increase um it has a uh, what they call oleophobic screen oh. the glass on the front uh repels oil so um you know you know use especially in the summer you stick this thing on your face and you're always touching it and yeah. everything else and you know, they get kind of smeary you know kind of crazy looking um the current model i'm telling you it 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 stays pristine almost all the time, and any oils that get on it from your finger or something, they're they're minimal, and you just barely wipe it with something like a little piece of cloth, and they're gone.
0: Very
1: cool. You don't put one of those protective covers on yours?
2: No, no, I don't. Um, I mean, this is the third iPhone. I've had one of each generation, and uh, I've not had any problem with them there. Incredibly the, durable from... a uh,
1: Skylight uh, filter over your... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: pro- I'm probably going to regret not using a cover, but in, in all, all honesty, I've never had so much as a hairline scratch on the screen. Awesome. So.
1: You have no plastic on your couch either.
2: No, I do not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Moving <laughs> right along <laughs> to, the,
0: to the results of our poll. I know the, the people who uh, participated in the last poll are probably waiting on the results, um, and because we're a little bit off schedule... We're a little late on our poll, so Aaron, you wanna you wanna reveal what the results were?
2: Yeah, the uh, the current poll was other than vacation, and I will mention this is a listener submitted poll. Um, other than vacation, how far will you travel for your own personal photo endeavors? And the ranges we offered were you know less than a mile, basically if I can see it from the couch, I shoot it. We had I think a total of like 17 votes for that at 2%. Um, <clears throat> less than 10 miles, I tend to stick around town. Came in at 23%. Uh, The majority here uh, comes in at uh, less than 60 miles, meaning basically I'll make a day of it, and that was 39%. And right behind that at 36% is greater than 60 miles, which is, you know, pack the bags, we're getting serious. So it was pretty close to evenly split um, between, you know, just under 60 miles and greater than 60 miles. Uh, And beyond that, 23% and 17%, or 2%. Excellent.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to let this marinate for a bit and uh, pick up on the polls with the next episode of This Week in Photography. So be sure to download the next podcast. And with that, let's jump over to today's guest. He's author Ralph A. Clevenger of Brooks Institute of Photography. My guest today is Ralph A. Clevenger. He's one of the world's leading photographers in many genres, but particularly nature. Ralph has traveled throughout the world on assignment to places like Australia, Chile, Antarctica, and Africa, and he has an impressive uh, client list to match. Currently, he's teaching photography at the Brooks Institute of Photography in beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Ralph, welcome to This Week in Photography.
3: Thank you very much.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on. I've got I uh, got a bunch of questions here. Uh the but the first the first one I want to kick it off with is uh you grew up in Africa. Or your your bio, I'm reading your bio here and it says you grew up in Africa. I want to hear about that and how growing up in Africa surrounded with, you know, I would think picturesque and photography-worthy subjects and and areas and and all sorts of stuff. How is that?
3: Well, actually I grew up in North Africa um on which is a lot different than what most people think of when you say Africa mm-hmm. um so my playground was the Sahara desert uh and the Mediterranean sea so there really weren't any animals and um i i was more interested in in uh, what jacques cousteau was doing and and the underwater world um you know than nature photography per se
0: yeah. So you did. So you weren't as, as growing as a teenager or preteen, teenage years. Did you know you wanted to be a photographer, or did that come later?
3: No, that came way later. Um, I, I did at that time, and, I, and it was. Uh, I, we moved back to the states when I went into sixth grade. So it was my early years that I grew up there. Gotcha. Uh, my dad was in the oil business, so the location was appropriate. Um, but no, it was it was much later. I was I was. Uh, wanting to become a marine biologist from an early age
0: excellent. so so what happened to that did so do you, is that the marine undersea life dream gone?
3: Well well, uh, no, I actually went on and and got a degree in zoology and worked at the Scripps Institute of Oceanography in San Diego for several years and worked as a professional diver um, in the science area and I Underwater photography is, is, you know, one of my major uh, genres.
0: Wow, that's, that's impressive. And now you're, you've made your way, and you've been teaching at Brooks Institute of Photography for 20 years now, is that correct? 27 years. 27 years at Brooks. Yeah. Wow, so you know yeah. pretty much every photographer on the planet right now. I'd say.
3: <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, it's funny when you're around this long how many people you do uh, you do know.
0: Yeah. So so uh, I wanted to speaking of Brooks, I wanted to talk a little bit about photography education overall and and what being the expert 27 years, what Mm -hmm. you think about uh, the the idea that or let me rephrase that. Is it necessary for someone who wants to be a professional photographer to go through formal training like Brooks Institute of Photography or can they get training? Going to Barnes and Noble and buying books on photography.
3: Well, um, you 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 need actually need more licenses to cut hair than to be a professional (laughs) photographer. So, so, and I remind my students of that. Um, (laughs) But no, you've never needed a degree to do photography. And and you know, years ago, most professional photographers probably never even completed college. Um, But one of the things that I think a school like Brooks uh, gives people is a broader scope of what the field of photography is because it's certainly a lot more than just taking pictures. And it, it introduces them to uh, enough things that they can change their mind later um, and i think that's one of the great things about college is is it does show you what's possible and and most people don't end up doing what they majored in in college anyway so yeah. i think brooks is, is a lot the same way and it and it jump starts that technical knowledge so that rather than apprenticing for 5 years and and figuring out how to do one specific type of photography you you come out of a school like brooks or certainly other schools as well and and you can you know you can dabble and make choices and jump ahead of people coming in off the street in jobs and uh, and move move quicker up the up the ladder
0: and what are you what are you seeing from your perspective from your perch of how the market, or the see the economy. How does the economy right. affected photographers that are coming in with your bright eyed and bushy tailed, wanting to be mm. this professional photographer working out in New York, you know, with the models and all this? Are you seeing Are you seeing a dwindling of that, or is it are people jumping in now because they're looking for alternative career paths?
3: Well, um, we're seeing less students, um, and I but I don't think. The uh, schools in general are seeing less students. Uh, certainly, trade schools seem to be doing uh, great, and that makes sense in a down economy. Um, you go get more education, make yourself more employable. But um, you know, I think the the opportunities for students to get photographic education in other places, including community colleges, and very good photographic education. In fact, many of those programs are taught by Brooks grads. So, so I think those opportunities are there, and for less money. And so, it, it, they're certainly not the same as Brooks, but the students are moving in that direction right now. I think a little bit more. Um, so, but you know, it, it's it's how much do you want to spend to get an education, and that's a that's a big question for everybody going into college.
0: And then what? So how much how much do people have to spend to get an education in photography at Brooks generally?
3: Well, Brooks isn't as expensive as most people think it is. Um, it, it's a three-year program, full-time, three years, so you, you don't go four, so that's that's a saving, and it's about um, twenty-seven or twenty-eight thousand a year in tuition. So it's not, you know, out of control. I mean, many many other schools are far more expensive, um, and then people think, oh yeah, but you got to buy all that gear, and that that's not. True, either because the school has um, a lot of equipment that students can check out okay. and and use that way. So it's it's not you know out of control, um, but. You know you do have to be careful I mean you don't want to walk out of school with a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt that's for sure
0: no absolutely so then so then rewind a little bit so we we mm-hmm. talked about the early beginnings you know when you were when you're growing up in North Africa and currently you're at Brooks Institute of photography teaching and you have been for twenty seven years so photography wise what got you into photography what made you what was that that sort of you know, radioactive spider bite that made you decide, "Hey, I need to be a photographer."
3: Well, my dad always had one of those eight uh, millimeter Keystone wind-up movie cameras. It's a really cool, and I, I have it now. Um, and he he filmed our life overseas, and um, I, I did. I wasn't really interested in it, but but we would watch movies all the time. So I was I was certainly introduced to it and around movie making quite a bit. Um, he also had a still camera. And in uh, fifth grade or so, I, he bought me a little darkroom set. But it really wasn't something I actually wanted to do. It was just fun. Um, when I graduated uh, with my zoology, zoology degree and went to work, I quickly realized that I needed a, a, a higher degree to go anywhere in science. And wasn't quite sure if I wanted to spend another two or three years uh, getting another science degree. So my girlfriend went to Art Center, and she said, well, why don't you become a photographer? And I had actually bought a small underwater camera and was taking a few pictures. And I said, well, all right. And then I heard about this school in Santa Barbara that had an underwater photography program. So I left my girlfriend, (laughs) went to Santa Barbara, (laughs) and enrolled in Brooks and... um, you know it really opened my eyes. I had never dreamed of becoming a photographer ever Wow it was never or a teacher
0: so uh, so what what do you enjoy shooting now if you if you had to shoot one genre, what would it be?
3: oh gosh um, well, underwater photography is certainly the thing I've been doing the longest mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know it's it's photography itself is what I enjoy doing, and anything outdoors is is you know, something that I want to photograph. So, I mean, Brooks gave me a great education in photography and then backed that up with all my zoology experience and, and stuff. And I just like taking pictures.
0: So where where do you fall on the whole argument of, or the discussion, I won't say it's an argument, <laughs> the discussion of uh, where the line is between what you can manipulate digitally and and what you can't? And, you know, for being with the far right being, you know, all all pixels can be moved around. I've been on the show. Right. I've said all pixels can be punished or were born to be punished. And on the far right. left, it's you know, treat your digital negative like a slide. You know, where where right. do, where do you fall in there?
3: Well, in photography in general, I mean, I think it, the greatest thing that that digital photography and Photoshop has brought to us is we get to be painters now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always envious of painters if they didn't want that telephone pole in there, they just didn't paint it in. <laughs> so, I mean. As far as I'm concerned whatever you can create um, it's it's you know it's an illustration it's a piece of art it's whatever you want to do within specific genres there's there's some ethical issues obviously in photojournalism and certainly in nature there's some ethical issues but I think that's geared more towards identifying what you do rather than you know doing
0: it I agree I, I totally agree so now, uh, one of your latest projects uh, has been a book with uh, the Peach Pit Press Company, <laughs> with the publisher, called Photographing Nature. You want to talk a little bit about that? And is that available now, by the way?
3: No, it, it's not. It's it's supposed to be out, uh, I think, end of October or early November sometime.
0: Oh, so we have um, a scoop. Good. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Um, no, in fact, I'm... I just. I have two more chapters to write.
0: Oh nice. So. <laughs> it's still <laughs> so, in beta. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um well it's it's the first book I've ever written. Um I, I have obviously participated in book projects before, but it will be the first book that is one hundred percent my images and, and words. Um it's about the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, believe it or not. Oh, no, I uh, believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um but but it's going to be i think it's going to be a really interesting book because i I own a lot of nature photography books i I enjoy reading and everything, and I certainly have my favorites and I did a lot of homework in trying to figure out what what books seem to work the best um, uh, One of the things I found out is that we all say the same thing over and over and over again in the books so So obviously that's the right stuff to say and people just want to look at new pictures and hear new stories and and maybe pick up some some unique tips. Um, So I I designed my book to be like my class, um, which it's a seven-week-long class. um, And, you know, the students are just immersed in, in nature photography and camping and all that kind of stuff. So I designed it around that. And I think that's what's going to make it different than a lot of other books.
0: Now, is it is it a coffee table book or is it a uh, how-to kind of instructional guide?
3: No, it's well. I, I I'd like to think it's a combination of both. Um, you know, Peach Put Peach Pit Press primarily does instructional books. You know, some very very nice ones, of course, but. um so, you know, it's a it's a medium-sized uh, paperback, um, you know, high-quality printing book, um, but it's certainly something that I hope people can just pull off the shelf and flip open a page, learn a new tip, and but look at some beautiful images.
0: Yeah. Now, speaking of beautiful images, I'm looking at a, a shot from the book uh, that I found on Peach Pit Press, a kind of a rough-cut preview of the mm-hmm. book. Um so for folks interested in looking at the book, definitely head over to peachpitpress.com and uh just uh search for the uh the title Photographing Nature by Ralph A. Clevenger. But there's this image in there of an iceberg. And I know mm. you know immediately which one I'm talking about. It's, yeah. an, it's an iceberg. And this is what I feel this this image, which I need to get and I need it framed in my house because it <laughs> it sort of reminds me of what life overall is like. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you only see the yep. top little piece, but below it is like this giant monolith of stuff. Can you can you talk about how you made that image?
3: Sure. Um, the the uh, I, there's actually three icebergs, three variations of the same iceberg. Um, it was actually um created by uh, uh a mentor. I mean the idea came from a mentor of mine, Craig Arnest. He uh he started uh Westlight Stock Agency. Uh Craig's passed away uh now. But uh Craig was is a was a brilliant guy and, and he said, Ralph, let's do this iceberg He says, You got all these parts, so let's let's see what we can do in putting it together so the two of us and the, the, his team of photoshop experts, this was done quite well, quite a while ago um nineteen ninety eight or ninety-seven i believe um, so you know we we i did all the research we figured out you know what what a real iceberg would probably look like underwater and it's comprised of four separate images the the sky above was taken off the coast of california and the water uh, background was taken out here off the coast of california, mm-hmm. and then the top iceberg was taken in antarctica, and the bottom iceberg was taken above water in alaska
0: wow wow yeah so folks if you if you want to see the shot and i would i would highly recommend that you head over to peach pit press and uh and find it it's a it 's a great shot and to me i don't did you title this shot or is it is it untitled no.
3: well, it's untitled it 's just the iceberg. So <laughs> it's I'm, ga- I'm, I'm going to well title
0: won. it for you. The title, the title, <laughs> the title should be life, because <laughs> you know? that's yeah. what, that's kind of what life is. Yeah, it's definitely my most successful
3: commercial image.
0: No, oh, it's wonderful. So, okay. so uh, a, a question on the book overall. You did something different in the book. I know you. Uh, You've got it's sort of like a class or, or yeah. tutorial. You've got you've got sample Q and A questions that are taken from Brooks' classes and assignments, but you've also got a Flickr site that will be set up for the book that people can sort of interact and have that ongoing social networking feel. Um, you want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that and, and why did you do that? Well
3: I haven't gotten in i mean we haven't really finalized all that stuff yet, as I said, I still got to finish two chapters here mm-hmm. um, but you know peach pit is is uh really likes the interactivity um uh and using the web relative to their book. They see that as one big package so you know for a lot of people, there may be uh questions that I didn't answer about images in the book, so it, it's probably a pretty good way for people to to get more information about specific images
0: yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, the the back and forth and the feedback is key, because uh, I'm I'm sure you remember, because I remember when I was just starting out in photography, and it was, yeah, you, know, you had a, a kind of a circle of people that you could show your images to, and that's mm-hmm. those are the only people that saw it, unless you were. Being published in National Geographic or something, <laughs> but
3: right, you know, right, for yeah. me it
0: was my close circle of friends that might see a print that I made and comment on it. But today we've got Flickr and other services like that, and SmugMug, etc., where people mm-hmm. can people can comment on your photos and give you instant feedback, and I think that's that's amazing. Yeah, it is. So where where can people? you know, learn more about the stuff that you're working on and k are you you know, are you online? Are you on Flickr? Are you on Facebook and all that stuff?
3: Well, um I mean my website is is obviously a great resource for uh you know, for my portfolio and yeah. my background and everything. Um I mean I do I, I do I do uh go to Facebook but certainly not very often. Yeah. Um smart man. It, <laughs> <laughs> Um, And I I don't really use it as a social network at at this time. But so, you know, it's it's mainly people finding me through my website.
0: Okay. And where's your website?
3: It's ralphclevenger.com.
0: Ralph, C-L-E-V-E-N-G-E-R.com. And that's R-A-L-P-H, not R E L F. Excellent. Ralph, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me this evening about your book and and your your photographic exploits and all that good stuff. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome.
0: That was Ralph A. Clevenger. He's one of the world's leading nature photographers, also an instructor of some 27 years at Brooks, Brooks Institute of Photography. And that was Ralph A. Clevenger of Brooks Institute of Photography. Like I said in the interview, he's uh, been with the school for 27 years, teaching photographers the ropes and... Um, Also shooting his own photography and underwater stuff and nature, etc. To learn more about him, make sure you head over to his website. We'll uh, post his URL in the show notes. And also head over to peachpit.com and search for his name, Ralph A. Clevenger. And uh, take a look at the rough cut of the book that they have posted. And uh, check out that image that I was just talking about of the iceberg. It's very impressive. And with that, let's jump into the listener questions. We've got a couple of questions here, a bunch of questions that I see that are stacked up in here. The first one is assigned to Aaron. Aaron, you want to take this one?
2: Actually, this was kind of a group assignment. I'll be glad to read it, though. Basically, uh, Timothy Lieb, Lieb, I believe, Mm -hmm. L-I-E-B-E, said, I've heard plenty about the best DSLRs, but I'm curious to hear what the panelists think is the best overall point-and-shoot camera, one preferably with HD video capability, raw stills, as well as JPEG, decent glass, and portability.
0: Hmm. All Mm. right. Uh, I know what what mine is, but uh, I want to hear what Steve's is. Steve?
1: I mean, you know, I have to say um, I like the, the Nikon 6000. Um, but I'm very intrigued with this new Olympus PEN camera that's just been uh, that's just come out. That was because... mine. <laughs> oh, is that yours? Do you have one? <laughs> no.
0: That's the one I was going to pick
1: though. <laughs> it does look pretty sweet, not only from a looks point of view, but the sensor's a little bigger. I'll let you talk about it in a second. I wonder how it compares to the one that I was, you know, sort of waiting for, but I have to admit I haven't really played with it. Maybe some of our listeners has have the Sigma DP2 which uses sort of a, a DSLR chip and a tiny little, well, much smaller uh, compact camera. And that's the kind of digital camera I think a lot of us were waiting for, although I had heard that the camera can be a little bit slow. Um, uh, but but that's kind of what we're looking for. And now this Olympus Pen also seems to have a bigger chip. Are you going to get one, Fred?
0: No, I'm not going to get one. But, you know, that I was, I was reading about that camera. It looks really interesting and uh i am definitely i have camera lust for it but uh i'm loyal to my current camera friend which is my g9 um, and if I was to upgrade, I might get a G10, though, uh, you know, we all know that they've removed some features that I find necessary in there and added a couple that I don't want. But uh, the G9 shoots 1024 by 768 resolution video at 30 frames a second. It shoots RAW. It shoots JPEG, of course. Um, and it's... You know, it's it's like a brick, you know, I mean, in a good way, it's a it's a tank that I can drop. And it just survives. It's been banged around in my camera slash computer bag, back and forth to work every day. And it it always takes a you know, it's always ready for me. So that is the most important thing in a point and shoot for me is durability it's waiting for me it's ready i can shoot really high quality video with it i can shoot raw stills with it and and keep going and when i really need to shoot quote unquote real photography i can whip out the G or the uh the d700 or the d3 and go to town but 99% of the time that camera is with me and when that one's not with me the my point and shoot uh camera of choice is my you guessed it, iPhone. So that's with me 100% of the time. So if I really need to catch something, I can catch it with the iPhone. If I really want high, high, high quality, I can catch it with the G9. And if it's something that I'm going to want to keep forever, I can you know, whip out the real glass. So
2: what about you, What about you, Aaron? Actually, I don't have a point point shoot right now, but I have been trawling online for quite a while now trying to find a good price on a used G9 that's in good condition. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly you the one I've been looking for.
1: I mean, you're really in love with your iPhone 3GS, and um, <laughs> apparently photo photo JoJo reported that the most popular camera now on Flickr is yeah. which camera, would you say? I would yeah, say the
0: iPhone. It's the
1: iPhone. 3GS. The iPhone is the most popular camera. So, I mean, look, I mean, you know, people are using it for serious photography. They're using it for a variety of different reasons, and as it gets better and better, I think it's just going to become, you know, much more... Um, used and we're going to see a lot more on it yeah i mean you know it's
0: like it's like what uh chase jarvis you know a photographer well-known photographer that lots of people know who i'm interviewing for this week in photography tomorrow um he said that the best camera That you can have, I think I forgot, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, it's the camera that you have with you, you know, so it doesn't matter, (laughs) you know, if you you're you're catching a shot of a plane crashing into the Hudson, if you've got an iPhone, that's the best camera in the world, if you're able to catch the image and record the moment. So, you know, and I tend to definitely agree with that.
1: Yeah. No question.
0: Next question up is from listener Jackie Spencer. She says, hello, guys. I'd like your input on getting sponsorship, getting a sponsorship with a camera company. Now, the only person that I know on the show right now that may have some experience with that is Steve Simon. Steve, you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what sponsorship means other than, you know, having a relationship with a a camera company. I think, Jackie, really the, the best way to do it is to sort of establish yourself as a photographer and maybe make contact with the company that you use their equipment and let them know that you're there. Let them know, you know, a lot of camera companies will uh, buy photographs that they use in their promotion for their brochures and so on. They usually want active professionals that are working with the public. Um, and, and, you know, so if you, if you want to position yourself in that arena, um, if you're doing some teaching, if you're doing workshops, that kind of thing, I think that will help. And um, and just to sort of make contact and and and, and just do great work uh, and 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 hopefully uh, something will come from it. but I mean, you know again, it's it's not necessarily something that uh, you might get uh, you know a chance to, to use equipment, new equipment that comes out, uh, they don't necessarily give equipment away to anybody yeah but, um, you do have access to use equipment from time to time,
0: you know. And I'll piggyback on that a little bit. You know, when I was working with Adobe, um, it, it, I would get inundated, honestly, with requests for sponsorship on a on a daily basis. Sometimes, you know, from from well-meaning photographers asking for, "Hey, can you sponsor me for this? Can you sponsor me for that?" Um, and my my response typically was what's the return on investment for me, you know, i.e. the company, what do i get back if i give you this money, you know, or if i give you all this free software, etc. you know, and if yeah. they if they couldn't answer that question, i would refer them to the the philanthropic organization at <laughs> adobe and let them ask for a donation. but if they're asking for for sponsorships particularly, it's a business investment and i, you know, at the, you know i had a, a limited a finite budget of money to give out to these people, to photographers. So if they couldn't prove to me that, hey, this will result in this many sales of, of Lightroom or this will result in increasing awareness of Photoshop by this much, you know, I promise, then, you know, it, it became a much harder sell for me. So my yeah, that's, advice... That's- my yeah, my advice gonna... to people it would be to if you if you're gonna seek sponsorship from a large entity like an Adobe or an Apple or a Nikon or a Canon or somebody like that, go in prepared to tell them why this is in their best interest to 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 support your project. Don't go in with hat in hand asking for sponsorship because you take great photos because you know. Newsflash, a lot of people take great photos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's something I should have added, Fred. You're exactly right. And I think whatever camera manufacturer it is, um, you know, this isn't a philanthropic uh, relationship. Um, If they're going to sponsor someone, they do want to see. And and they do sponsor certain projects that photographers are working on. But they want specifics. They want to know, as you mentioned, you know, how many people this is going to reach, um they want to know kind of what they're going to get um for their sponsorship and and you have to give them you know some 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 good answers or else it's it's not going to happen so you really have to establish yourself to the point that you're you know doing the kind of work that's getting some public uh, recognition and uh then maybe you're ready for sponsorship other than that you know finding a donation maybe but that's also as we know a, a difficult road to take
0: yeah yeah but you know when I when I was with Adobe I would have much rather uh, preferred that people that were blatantly asking for a donation and and saying that it was a sponsorship would just position it as a donation and saying, hey, this is not going to make you any money, but this is going to benefit the world in this way. Can I have some money? You know, rather than saying, <laughs> sponsor me because I take great photos. Give me some money. <laughs>
1: you know, uh, So exactly. yeah,
0: that would be my suggestion to folks. And that would uh, that would help everyone out if you, you know, just position things correctly. And if you have something of value to offer, uh, that's going to only benefit the world, make sure you position it properly. If you're going to, if you have something of value to offer that may benefit the company and increase their, their bottom line in some way, position it that way, but position it correctly and and save them some time.
2: I've always gone on the assumption that the the high profile sponsors you see were probably the camera companies approaching the photographer. No. No. Well, well, you know what? You different.
1: know, I, I got to tell you though. Um, you know, as photographers, and, and you know, some of the high, the big profile names. I mean, you can't just kind of wait for that to happen. I think mm-hmm. even high profile guys have to kind of work it and seek it out. And some of the most successful photographers are the ones that kind of have the most marketing savvy and are kind of aggressive in the marketing area because, you know, it's a big world out there. There's plenty of great photographers, as Fred mentioned, and you just have to kind of go after it regardless of who you are. You know, it's
0: it's kind of like what I learned from reading the book The Game, which was (laughs) – which was, my, which was my pick, you know. It's the it's the it's the, the what it is the 80/20 rule, you know? The 80% of the people will say, "Hey, I'm not going to go for it because somebody else is going to go for it and I wouldn't get it anyway." You know, whereas that 20% will just say, "You know, what the hell? I'm going to go for it." And they do
1: and they're successful. You know, so you know, you Steve can't be saying. shy when it comes to that, and you know, you you've got to sort of go after it, not in a, a you know obnoxious way, but certainly you know persistence and you know establishing a relationship. It's got to start somewhere, yep. and uh, you know, if you're you're confident that uh, you're doing good work and you wanna you love this particular brand, then definitely. I mean, I I'm sure even they kind of want to hear from. I mean, they they're looking for ways to promote their stuff, and uh, you know, you, you got to get out there and and. And try and make it happen.
0: Yeah, and always helps to have really good personal hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> that come from your game book too. That came from the yeah, game book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you know that works in all walks of life. I got to tell yes. you. <laughs> yes. So let's let's, let's jump into the picks of the week. Uh, I know I have a, a one that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, Steve, you want to jump in with yours?
1: Sure. I'll just quickly. Um, uh, I thought since I have. Um, a couple of these, and I think they're really great. I used to use the Quantum Turbo big-ass battery for kind of big jobs that I did, and it was heavy, you know, and I'm a tough, strong man, but it was heavy to carry around, and now they've come out with this Turbo SE Slim battery, which is basically the same power, but it's it's literally about 38% of what the other battery was. It's tiny, it's light... It's expensive, but so that's the one thing they have enlightened is the price. But it really does uh, do the job for sort of long, big events where you're using your flash. If you're using your flash for fill and bright light and you're constantly firing at F11, F16, um, it will give you the power you need for quick recycling, and uh, it's a really small Easy to carry around thing, and and for people using uh, wireless multiple flashes, many of us are now starting to get into. Um, you can have one attached to each of your your main flashes, and know that you're going to be able to use it uh, all night, all day, and it's going to continue to provide the power. So, I think it's a good thing. What's, Quantum, what 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 is it? Quantum, Quantum Turbo SC Slim.
0: Excellent. How, how much
1: how much are we looking at? It ain't cheap. It's about four hundred and thirty dollars. Oh, how, oh, wow. how many how many double A's <laughs> but, can I buy for that? <laughs> <laughs> but you save the world from hundreds of double A batteries and screw you can recharge this man. Baby, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. baby like a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean it should last you years, really. My other one lasted, you know, a long, long time. Many, many recharges. So No, you're um, right.
0: You're absolutely right. Especially if you're doing off camera stuff and you you have a remote camera somewhere that just needs to work. And you don't want to, uh, you know, jump over there to to check it all the time. Or if you're, like Steve said, if you're shooting an event like a wedding or something or uh, some sort of news event where you're going to be on your feet for 18 hours, 12, 18 hours or so, you don't want to have particularly- to worry about the power.
1: Particularly as fill flash, because you know it's you know that flashes will last a long time if they're emitting very little power at you know f two point eight or whatever. But if you're out shooting f sixteen, that's a lot of power that uh, each hmm. pop is uh, is consuming. And having a battery like this will allow you to continue to shoot, whereas otherwise, you know, before you know it, you're kind of out of juice.
2: Yeah, you, Mr. Mailer, you, you got I mean? love it. You gotta love it when the battery costs twice what the flash does. But you know, <laughs> hey. Yeah.
0: Do you have one of those, Aaron? That
1: that was my uh, no. Scott born pick of the week.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Scott probably has like four or five of those just laying around.
1: Yeah, I think they're powering his house, you know, generators. Hey, you know, I uh,
0: right now I, I would love to have one of those, but you know, I just made the jump from regular AA's to rechargeables, <laughs> so, no, I which I hear are better, you know, for the environment. So, yeah, so I am using those. So, Mr. Uh, Mailer, what is your pick of the week?
2: Um, <clears throat> I have to be honest here that my pick is slightly recycled. Um, those of you that may have watched our live video feed during uh, two weeks ago for the infamous lost episode of Twip, <laughs> number 95. We don't talk you heard about that. this one that. live.
0: <laughs> we don't talk about that episode.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, the episode that never happened. Um this was my pick that week, so some people may have heard it, but obviously the vast majority of the audience will not have. But uh, And I think I did Twitter about it at one point, but it's called uh, awkwardfamilyphotos.com. Uh, all one word, you know, three words together, all one word awkwardfamilyphotos.com. It is a riot. Um, I won't tell you too much about it other than, you know, lots of folks are submitting, you know, some of the most. In some cases, disturbing. In a lot of cases, just downright hilarious images from, you know, some point in their lifetime, childhood, in a lot of cases, from what I can tell, um, that are just some of the strangest family photos you have ever seen in your life. Uh, A lot of them are just laugh out loud funny. Um, And we'll put a link in the show notes to to one of my favorites with the. the guy kind of standing off in the back uh, during the video episode. You're able to see it, but uh, so I won't describe it too much. But it's a pretty entertaining sight, to say the least. And when I tweeted it, got quite a lot of feedback on it. So uh, grab it, put it in your RSS feeds, and keep an eye on it on a daily basis. Very Good cool. for a laugh.
0: Very cool. Well, I have I have, for me, I have two picks, um, and one I, I'm 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 making two picks because the first one I know I'm going to get some angry tweets at uh, Frederick Van on Twitter. If you'd like to tweet me. <laughs> I'm going to get some, some angry tweets about this. Uh, the first one is from Factron, F-A-C-T-R-O-N, and we'll put a link to them in the show notes. And essentially, this is an exoskeleton for for your iPhone, which allows you to attach lenses to it. And uh, it's a custom case. It looks like it's brushed aluminum and some sort of leathery type substance that encases your iPhone like robocop uh and then you screw lenses onto the front where the where iphone camera is and the lenses include a fisheye lens a wide angle lens a close-up lens and the lenses prices they range from 15 bucks to 55 bucks and the case is around 200 bucks but you know overall if you're if you're somebody like chase jarvis who's doing the the iphone a day project and you want the flexibility to uh, To you know, use your iPhone camera to its fullest, you know that 's a small price to pay, so that is my number one pick of the week. Uh, my number two pick of the week comes you know why w- Aaron while you were talking, uh, a Twitter direct message came in from trey radcliffe he's you know the i think we, we interviewed him on the show or I interviewed him on the show a couple of weeks ago um, mm-hmm. he's he 's a really good photographer. And his tweet reads, and I'm reading verbatim, uh, Nikon D4X to come out in Q4 2010 with 30 megapixels, question mark, movies at 1920 wide at 30 frames per second. And he puts the link in there. So uh, on Twitter, go to Trey Radcliffe's stream and you'll find that tweet in there. But he has a bit.ly link in there that links over to an article on NikonRumors.com with a link to the full leaked 2009-2010 Nikon roadmap uh, that's translated. And essentially it says, uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase this, it said a man working in England in the Kingston branch of a large IT company said that the infrastructure software company of Nikon UK... Uh, has found this 37-page document with strategic direction of Nikon, yada, yada, yada. They can't confirm its authenticity. It may be a joke, but here it is. So uh, we're going to link to that in the show notes, and you can make your own determination as to whether this rumor is true or false. But, you know, this just came in, and I felt compelled to spread it,
1: (laughs) which which I'm doing. (laughs) Kind of it's kind of like useless in a way. I mean it's basically saying, Oh yeah, like the end of next year we're gonna see a replacement for the D three X. I mean it's you know, who knows if it's real or not. I mean, I think you can kind of un- you know, you can just guess that yes, eventually the D three X will be replaced with the new one and so on. Yeah, that's not like Not to sort of take away from you know the rumor, but I mean, you know, it's it's nothing really. Is that, that we Steve,
0: is that like saying here's a hot rumor apple computer may release a new iphone sometime within the next 24 months
1: (laughs) exactly that's exactly what that is you 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 heard it here
0: first i'm making a prediction
1: we're (laughs) We're so desperate to kind of hear what's next and i guess a lot of us i mean we're kind of you know we're we're geek uh, we tend to you know we 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 love this stuff and we want to kind of know what's coming and understandably and if you're thinking of purchasing something and you think something's coming along but i mean you know these rumors have been happening since you know the first nikon f and yeah uh, yeah they're gonna continue to happen but you know what the heck let's just Keep looking
0: at them. It's what we do. It's fun, you know. It's yeah. it's, it's part of the game, and not the game of the book them. that I'm talking about. But it's it's part of the <laughs> overall game of being on the internet and keeping an eye out for these hot rumors and being excited about the next new thing and all this stuff. So it's Absolutely. fun. It's fun. It's what we do. Well, good clean fun. You know what? Speaking of good clean fun, I think that's it's time to clean up this episode. This is the end of This Week in Photography. Um, and I want to give you guys a chance to tell <laughs> wait folks. Second. Wait, wait, wait. The this, the episode, this is the end of this episode. <laughs> not the end of life we as we know it.
1: it <laughs> this is the
0: end, of, it the end of this yeah. little episode. The, the show itself will continue in perpetuity, but this show is coming to a close. And with that, Aaron Mailer, where can people find you? Until next week.
2: You can find me on my blog, halfpress.com, or on Twitter, which is where you'll find me the most, H uh, A L F P R E S S.
1: Excellent.
0: And Mr. Steve Simon, if people are looking for you, where can they find you?
1: Uh, SteveSimonPhoto.com and Twitter slash Steve Simon. Excellent. And then if
0: you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Frederick Van. That's F R E D E R I C K Van. Um, Or at my blog at frederickvan.com. And with that, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. It's time to take that lens cap off.